My name is Mark. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Mark. My anniversary date for AA was April 10th, 2008. So, when thinking about, you know, trying to frame my experience, strength, and hope, I have to do the front end first. So it's before I got to AA. So a little bit of history. Uh, I grew up in a pretty nice home. Solid folks, had two sisters, you know, just kind of an average upbringing. You know, I didn't have some of the horror shows we've heard about other people that you can understand why maybe that drove them to alcohol. Not so much us. We had some dimension. My, my oldest sister caught a cold when she was the one. It turned into polio. So she wore braces. The twins, my sister and I, came along five years later. So when we, we came on board, Jen was already wearing braces and crutches. She did everywhere she went. So what that did was our family was pretty cellular. She, she used to tell us stories, and we always used to do things together as kids. Mom and Dad and, and us, we used to camp. We were blue-collar. We didn't have a whole lot of money. So we weren't going places or anything like that. But, and the folks didn't have alcohol in the house. Sometimes with the aunts and uncles, you saw it, but it was like a cocktail hour and all in moderation, not like what we do. So anyway, I came from that, kind of a stable, you know, environment. So that wasn't any kind of an excuse. It's just, and I started kind of late. I didn't start drinking until I was probably 17. I can remember having a conversation with some of my buddies when they were in the ninth grade, and that's when marijuana and all the stuff was coming forward. Because that was in the early, you know, mid-60s, late-60s. So in any case, I waved that off until I got into high school. And then it was drugs and alcohol. And my first big event was, I think I was a senior. And we'd found, we'd follow some of our friends and we knew they were up to something. Well, they'd hidden a half case of beer and two bottles of wine. And so we let them leave and then we went and found that. So we were like, all right. And there was a big dance. There was a big dance that night. So, so the three of us got, we went in a vacant lot right next to the gym where the dance was. And we proceeded to drink, you know, those two bottles of wine in that half case. One guy got the half case of beer, lucky him. I had one of the bottles of Muscatel. So <laughs> not so good. But it didn't really matter. So we gobbled that all up and uh, ran around in that that little vacant lot for a while, which happened to be the, the dumping place for a lot of the dogs in the neighborhood. We, we went, jumped over a backstop, and I ended up catching the crotch of my pants and tearing that out and going upside down. But I went home, my mom being the trusting mom, I got dressed and went back to the dance. So, in the course of that dance, I... Uh, acted up in a number of ways. It's one of the first and only times I ever blacked out, so I was told what I did. But I know there was a gal I was kind of attracted to, and her name was Melody. And at one point, I ended up outside the women's restroom, because that's where I chased her to. And, and I was calling her name, Melody, Melody. Well, the end of the story is, you know, the three of us got kicked out of school. I got kicked off the cross-country team. I, you know, was humiliated. That romance didn't go very far. You know, Melody didn't have, want to have much to do with me after that. So I was probably duly impressed, and I kind of tapped it down a little bit after that. But still, you know, drugs and alcohol were, from that point onward, they were always in the vicinity. 
So then I went to community college for about a, about a year. And after that, it was time to go get a job. So I went, I logged for the next five years. My uncles had been in, in that business. One was a road farm, and the other one actually managed a tree farm down in Oregon. But I just was a rigging rat. I just went and worked hard. And so after I got in shape, which took about six months, uh, instead of just drinking on the weekends, I drank, I started drinking every day. And I remember we had, you know, that was a small little town. It, it was resort fishing when, in the summer, but when it, when it wasn't that, there was about two, three hundred people in the whole town. Most of the people lived in a trailer court called Funk's Trailer Court. But anyway, I was, we were laid up in a hotel there, in a motel, you know, thin walls, and I used to comment, and the one guy, he was an engineer for the Crown Zillerback, and, and he used to come home, he always could tell when he came home, because he'd go in the head and he'd start retching, you know. And I said, God, Otto, his name was Otto. I said, man, Otto's had another bad night, because it was every night. Well, once I started drinking every night, it wasn't maybe three or four months where it was stereo. There was Otto on his side and me on my side. We were both doing the same performance. And I don't know exactly why I drank the way I did, but I, you know, Dad always told me not to be half-assed, and you know, if I did a job poorly, then I had to do it again. And part of it was being tough. You know, I'm, you know, I'm here, I'm logging, and it's, and it's hard work. I mean, you had that fraternity because there's not that many morons willing to do that. But we had, a, you know, we had that kind of, you know, it's only us doing this thing. So we had kind of that independence, and it was a work hard, play hard. So that's when I kind of honed my drinking skills. Cause, and then along with that was the last man standing. You know, you, know, you wanted to be the last man standing. You know, you always wanted to close out the bars. If, if I got too, I was drinking beer for the most part because, you know, I... I found that with beer, I normally, I didn't black out. Brown, brown liquor always, you know, you can't control it. it, it I didn't have any luck with that. So, and I didn't want to redo what I'd done in my high school years. But anyway, if I got full of beer, I'd just go, go outside the bar and stick my finger down my throat and puke so I could come back in and have some more beer. You know, that's just kind of, I didn't think much of it. But in any case... This went on, for the most part, for, for that time. I, I uh, got off work once, but like I said, it was always, there was always drugs and alcohol from that point on. There were different events that took place in life along that time. When I was, when I was 22, my twin sister, she, she committed suicide. So, you know, that was... That was, a, you know, we all have these stories in our lives, and they all contribute. You're not always aware of how they affect you or how they impact you, you know. Uh, but that, I stopped that, and I it was fortunate because I'm the one that found her. And so that saved my parents from it. But, you know, that's a hard time. Parents, you don't, you're not supposed to outlive your kids. So, you know, we, we, I took time out to take care of, you know, how I could help out there. But then it's back to, you know, just the routine. And I just... It was, I didn't look at drinking as I ultimately came to look at it. You know, I'm young. I was taking care of just myself. You know, it was, you know, I, had, I owed nobody any money. I was neither a borrower nor lender B. It was, you know, I paid my way. And it was like, this is, you know, there's, 
I was fine with it. So the last place I logged was up in Alaska, and that was near the end of the five years. And I stopped in Juneau and bought an engagement ring and came down and married the woman that I'd been seeing for about two years. And she had a little girl. So we got married, and I was able to adopt her because her first husband had left her high and dry, took the car $5,000 and walked away from his two-year-old daughter. The good thing about that was I was able to adopt her after six months. So she was, you know, she's, she was somebody I could look after and she, you know, for legal prison or anything else, you know, you don't own the kids, you're just supposed to be a caretaker anyway, right? So anyway, I calmed down then. And I, I didn't go to bars. You know, I wasn't much of a bar guy because I'd already bought all my bar stools, you know, and that did my rowdy years when I was rounding corners. So I calmed down and head down, elbows up. The one thing I've always had is a good, strong work ethic. And it's probably a good thing because it's the only thing that I can see as a constant through all my alcoholic years. I never missed work. I wasn't 100%, but I never missed work. You know, if I had to drag my butt up, you know, at 4.30 to get on the crummy to go into the brush and, and sweat it out, that's what I did. You know, and, it, and when I was young like that, it's, you know... If you drink every day and you wake up the same way everyone, it's not a hangover. That's just the way you wake up. So, you know, that was just, you know, that's alcoholic thinking. I can see it differently now, but when, when I was doing it, it was, yeah, okay, it's roll tape. This is the program. And, and in that five-year period, I had a couple of DWIs. That's what they called them then. They weren't DUIs. I'm that old. So, and I did some community service, and they were a lot easier on you. And when I got in Rex in that little town, I never got a ticket for it. You just, you got somebody, log truck driver or something, they'd yank your car out of the ditch. Or, you know, I had to fix the fence posts that I clipped off when I went upside down one time. I just squared it up with the farmer. You know, it's just, and the sheriff, I used to sit and drink next to him. Because I wasn't a local and I had beard and hair, so I was in the bars at 19, so that made it easy. So anyway... I get married, I've got, it was a good thing, best thing that ever happened to me. I'm still with the same woman. And, and my daughter's, you know, she's my pride and joy. Now I've got a granddaughter too, so that's all good stuff. So I got married, found a different, I got out of the brush, I took about a $3 hit in pay, went from $8 an hour to, to uh, 5 but it was a small company. It was a lumber company. So, you know, a logging degree doesn't get you a long ways on your resume. People say, oh, logger. Yeah, yeah. what did you do? Oh, well, I'm basically just a mule. Worked hard. But, it, you know, in the right place, it has some, some value. Anyway, they put me on. About six months after I uh, joined them, they ended up with a contract with Atlantic Richfield to package oil casing for transfer to the North Slope when they were developing the North Slope. So what that meant, the good news was, it was a good job, and I was able to get off the, you know, off-bear labor floor, and I started traveling for that company for the next seven years. First year, I was gone nine months out of the year. The years following that, never less than six. Because we'd go, I'd go to the East Coast, to the Mahoning Valley where they used to have steel mills. And then down in Texas, Louisiana, all this, and we'd, we'd 
unitize all this casing into packages so it didn't, didn't shift in the rail cars on the way up to the North Slope so it didn't get damaged because they had no way of doing that. But I did that for seven years. Then the other side of that was it's all cost plus. It wasn't per diem. It wasn't real strict. So I'm away from my wife and daughter. I've got an open checkbook. So, and I've got a crew. You know, you can, you normally for a while there, you'd, before I started hiring locals, We'd bring people in, so we'd be in a Holiday Inn or what have you. So we'd always have we'd have our meal and, and beverages, you know. And so, and so, and I would focus my energies on work, and then I would drink because then I wouldn't be thinking about my wife and daughter. I'd just only been married six months. I didn't really plan on leaving them, but that's what I ended up doing. But that traveling enabled me to drink and drug. So, the last part of that, we spent 18 months in Houston, and I worked five twelves and eight on Saturday, and then I put paper to work together on Sundays. So that was just a blur. My wife, I was there, but, you know, and I wasn't drinking a whole lot then, because I had to work. I take speed is what I was doing then, so it's, it's not like I was unencumbered. You know, you always find a way. Resourceful. Us alcoholics pretty resourceful. So anyway... That came to when I went back, back into Kent, and then started a job as a salesman. And if you had told me back in the days when I was in the brush logging that I was going to be a salesman, I was going to talk for a living, I would have said, you are crazy. That's just not going to happen. But that's, that was the offer. I left the one and got into sales, and I became sales manager for 14 years. When my drinking... In retrospect, it was when I hit my 30s and I started, that's when I realized I was drinking for a reason. When, when you had some physical and mental, like I did with all those other jobs, I was out, you know, I was part of the crew when I was looking after packs in that well case. I ended up with pipe dope all over me. I was dirty, greasy every day, logging, you sweat it out. You know, you got some physical to balance the mental. When it, when it all went mental, when my color changed from blue to white and I was just managing people and then responsible for their actions beyond just my own then that's when I started feeling stress and that's when I started drinking in my mind that's when I started drinking for a reason and then not that I wasn't before but I didn't pay that much attention now I was conscious of it and that's when it started compounding so now I'm, I'm 30 now, and I'm doing this, 30, 31. When I was 34, my daughter, at 15, decided she wanted to leave the house. For her, her mom and I don't know to this day why. She's a straight-A student, she had this and that. Well, drugs and alcohol were involved, and so were they went with my sister. So, you know, that had a play in her suicide, and it also had a play in my daughter deciding to, to leave home at 15. And so I went to a psychiatrist then, and he got me some, he, 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 he prescribed some medicine because the alcohol wasn't enough. You know, I was self-prescribing my, my alcohol and drugs, but so then I got some better drugs and some counsel, and I did that for about a year. And then in that period of time, we rediscovered her. She never came back and lived at home, but she did 
pulled herself up by the bootstraps, went and got her, G- her state diploma, and then we paid for four years of college, and she went through that. Now our relationship is good now, and she's, she to this day doesn't know why. But she was, she'd taken a detour, you know, and drugs and alcohol involved there. So in any case, that was 34. So it carried on, and all this time, you know, from outward, you could check boxes, and it looked like, you know, if, if you were from the outside looking in, you say, well, look at Mark, look at, look at there. Mark's doing this and this and this and this. So I, I was checking boxes. I was wearing a shirt and tie. My pay, wages were going up. I was taking care of my wife and daughter. Uh, you know, we, we, we were able to take nice vacations once a year. So, you know, from the outside looking in, guy's doing all right. But of course, I've, 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 I'm an alcoholic. I haven't admitted it, but I'm, I, I do what alcoholics do. So I'm drinking and I'm drugging while I'm doing my work. This work ethic, every so often, I'd stay late because I felt I owed them that because I started drinking at lunch. So. What you could normally get done in an eight-hour day, I couldn't get done in an eight-hour day. You know, you don't, you don't get better at something by, you know, cutting your legs out from underneath you. And that's kind of what I was done, doing. You know, and alcoholism, it's, it, it's a crazy thing. It's why I know it's a disease, because it's, it's you, you lose some level of control on it. And I always, I tried to pride myself as, a, you know, a disciplined drinker, whatever the hell that means. Not, not really any such thing. But anyway, that carried on. So, and other than probably for my wife, it didn't show up that significantly at work until about 2004. This was the second time I blacked out, and this time I turned over the company car and ended up in jail, which I'd done that before a couple times, short stays, but normally traffic or alcohol-related. And that was, you know, here I am, I'm 52 years old. You know, I mean, I feel about this tall. And I'm thinking, Jesus. And I'm in, you know, I'm in the drunk tank, and these guys are talking, they're saying, oh, geez, we've got a yuppie in here. Of course, there was a time I wasn't a yuppie, you know. But I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm quiet, because I'm, I'm humble. It's like, Jesus. And, of course, the wife came and bailed me out, and it was that, Horrible mixture of anger and disappointment. That look in her eye. You know, so I could just add that to how I was feeling. But did I stop drinking? No, I was 52 then. Slowed down for about mm, six months. Then kept going. In 2007, earlier on, my oldest sister was diagnosed with cancer, and she, she got the trifecta. She had brain, breast, and, and lung. So they had, to, they had to treat one. Because of my job and the autonomy I had at that job, I could take her to every one of her treatments. So we got to reconnect a little bit, because she never did marry, you know, and, and so that was good to get. But that was two months later, she passed. Three weeks after that, my mom passed. So... About two weeks after that, the wife and I got in a fight because I wasn't doing very well. So I left, 
went down to a local hotel, it's about five minutes from work, and spent four days there. And, you know, I'd, I'd be at work at starting time, but after I got off, you know, I'd be self-medicating, you know, drinking, drugging. So that, that got me to 2007 when they both passed, and I carried on for a little while longer. And somewhere in that period of time, and I don't know why, but I just made a call. I made a call to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I found an outfit that was close to me. And, and I went, because I'd, I'd given up. You know, I'd, 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 gone, I'd gone to a psychiatrist the second time about it when I was 50 or so. He gave me drugs, and then I, I, I was talking to Terry. I said, you know, he might help you too, because we were having difficulties too. I said, you might want to tell him some of your stories and see... And I was hoping I might get a little slack if, you know, if she was a little culpable in this. So, well, but she told him that, that I was still drinking. Well, turns out my psychiatrist's parents had been hit by a, a drunk driver. And so he, not only was I not supposed to drink on the medication, but his parents had been hit and hurt by a drunk driver. So I was not on his, you know, happy list. So, you know... What goes around comes around. That's, that needed to happen. Ultimately what happened was I got to the point that it didn't matter psychiatry, this, that, or the other thing. Nothing worked. You know, I was still trying to run the ship. You know, I was, I was owning it. At this point, I knew that I had the big problem. But it was the old, it was, it was like, I got myself into this, so I'll get myself out. Couldn't, can't. You know, if I go back drinking, I, I won't be able to do it today. But I made that call, so I went in, and that's that's when that's when things actually started to get better. Not when I first went in, because the first five or six weeks I drank, I'd have a twenty-four ounce going in. I sat out to the side the one time with, with one of the guys. I said, yeah, I'm still drinking. He says, oh, I didn't know you could do that. I says, nobody told me I couldn't. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, you know, that's just the way we are. You know, it's like, oh, lady, little, we're clever folks. Alcoholics are clever. They're not dumb. I've, I haven't met too many dumb alcoholics. Because you're, you're juggling two lives, right? That's what happened. The outside life, what I looked like on the outside, what people were saying, oh, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll sign off on that, versus what was happening inside. God, the maintenance, and, and, and I was deteriorating, I was rotting. I had, I, I, I had self-contempt, I, I, I didn't have a lot of confidence. It, people thought I did because I was hitting these markers, but nah. I still had all the fear, and of course, like a lot of men, you change the fear into anger, because I can do anger better than fear. I'd, I'd, rather, tell you I was, I'd rather show you I was angry than, than show fear. Now, I don't want to show you my vulnerability. You know, that's that's why that was that was the fuel. That's what fueled my train anyway. That's why I drank a lot of it. Anyway, when I got into the program and stopped fighting and stopped drinking, that's that's when April tenth came around. And 
and could listen and hear, you know, hear and listen. For a while I was hearing, but I wasn't, you know, I was listening, but I wasn't really hearing the message. But then it's, you know, I said, it's step one, you know. I'm alcoholic and my life's unmanageable. And that, that's what, you can't, you can't solve a problem if you don't admit you have one. And that's, so, so I was an alcoholic for, I think about 38 years if you do the net math right. But I wasn't an alcoholic until I admitted it in that room. That's the first time I did anything to really address my disease or, or you know, and my, the person I'd become. And I just, you know, it's, it's that I'd got to, I'd got to, that was my bottom. And I, the reason I said about some of the different things, life events, and we all have them. You don't get any age whatsoever without having some war stories and without having, you know, your occasional shit storms. That's just, that's part of living. So I've not, I don't hold that up there as like, well, this was my reason why. Because I know people with a lot worse stories than me. I can remember coming out of an early meeting with the other, Aki, a guy went in, he about the same age, and I says, man, some of these guys are really effed up. And then we started smiling. Because, what, we weren't? You know, it's easy for the guys that, that you know, they, they lost a wife, they lost a job, they lost, you know, they took a life, you know. So next to that, it's small. But that's, you know, that's justifying, see, and that's what I, that's what I did for it. And so I came in hard. You know, I was, I was saying, I'm a good alcoholic. Don't tell me I have a problem. So I'm, I'm arguing my case in a room for, uh, full of alcoholics. I was in a men's meeting, and I needed a men's meeting. Because they basically told me, son. And they were, some of them were disgusted. Because I was just, you know, I was just, I was really nasty. Yeah. And they just, they were just like, God. So, but they kept asking me, they said, keep coming back. Which kind of startled me. Because I knew I was being a dick. You know, it, it wasn't a surprise. Because I, it was the old. I was still toxic. I'm still going to defend it. I spent... 38 years doing this. It's not going to be like this. I never did have an epiphany. I didn't have a pink cloud. Some people do. That's great. I figured, I can't really reward myself for just starting now what people have been doing their whole lives. Normal, normal people don't drink like we do. You know? It's one of those things. It's kind of a paradox, and it's kind of ironic to me. Is You know, when I'm... I've been around friends that we, I used to drink with that I don't drink anymore, and they do, and they have parties and stuff like that. And they always say, well, you know, maybe I'm an alcoholic. I says, you don't have a problem unless you believe you have a problem. That's for you to decide. You know, it's like trying to explain alcoholism to a person that's a normal drinker. It's still difficult to this day. They don't get it. Because a lot of us, we didn't show over time. See, I, I didn't slur. I didn't fall down in in public. I normally waited till I got home. But you know, it's but they, you know, you practice and you hold your liquor. So the thing is is that near the end I started leaking. I could not see I I practiced being a disciplined drinker and stuff, which like I said, it's really doesn't add up. There's nothing it takes over. So it owned me. So this program, through this program, and doing step one, 
Then I became reacquainted with a higher power. Then I got faith back. Then I got hope back. I got confidence back. I was... The gentleman, they helped me forgive myself so I could quit beating myself over what I was, what I'd done, and where I came from, and could go forward. And, and through the process, it's, it's, you know, and all you have to do is follow the rules. They give you those steps. And, and, and it, it takes the time it takes. I, I will not tell anybody how to go about it. If you take, there's, there's as many people in the program, there's that many ways to follow the program, as long as you do it. That's what's important. That's what I've come to believe. So I'm not going to sit in judgment of how you do it. If you're working the program, good enough. It took me, I did my fourth step, it took me 18 months to do my fifth step. It was easy to admit it to myself and God. But when I, I had to tell another living human being, that's when the rubber hit the road. Hell, it's still a secret, isn't it? You know, it's just me and God. It's when I had to tell somebody else all that horse shit. When I had to admit that I did this, 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 and this under the influence. This is, this is, this is what I gave to maintain my addiction. And I almost, and, I, and, and this is how close I came to giving up everything I had. I wouldn't have had a relationship with my wife. I wouldn't have had a relationship with my daughter. I wouldn't have had a relationship with my, my granddaughter. Worst of all, I'd have the same crappy relationship I have with me. This was, this was a, this was a, I'd arm myself and beat the living crap out of myself because I would, you know, it's, it's like penance. I was that disgusted. And so I, this program helped me move away from that. It, it says, you know, it's, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think, when I was, you know, younger growing up, I was pretty, I was kind of a square kid, you know. I didn't act out much, and this and that. But then, through that process, I, I put on armor, you know. And, and alcohol was my armor. Alcohol and drugs and whatever else. You know, that's, that's, that's how I built my shields. Well, this program helped me take all that armor off. And and I don't I don't have the maintenance I once. I had to I had to maintain a duality. The the guy from the that looked like he did from the outside in in conflict with the guy inside. I don't have to do that anymore. There's only one of me. God, it's a lot better life. It's a lot easier this way. So you know, and amends, you know, I devalued the word sorry. The wife she's she was done with that. You know, there's, sorry doesn't mean anything if you say sorry. Oh, I won't do it again. Yeah, sure. Until the next time. My wife used to say she she was kind of she'd wait. You know, near the latter part of my drinking, she she was anxious for me to just pass out because then I, you know, close my mouth. And you know, some of the and 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 I probably I trespassed on her the worst. You know, I treated her the worst. So, 
I won't forget that, but I don't, I'm not adding anything to it. You know, I mean, the book's written. I have to own that. That's my responsibility. But I don't have to add any more pages. Since I've been in AA, I practice the principles. I go through the steps, and I, I recognize them. I, I do what's suggested. I stay connected. I go to meetings. Uh, not, I'm not the poster boy for AA, but I do... I do what I do, and it is a part of my life. It, it, it is a blueprint that I follow now. Because I went a long ways away. And when I think of, you know, all the different close calls, you know, they, they said, I had more than nine lives. I don't, somebody was looking after me. Because there's no other explanation. There's no other explanation. And why, why I was... Well, I'm fortunate enough to have found my way to AA and get another shot and practice living this way. When other people, you know, they made some of the same decisions I did, but some of their decisions, that was it. You know, my sister, that's what, you know, it was over. You know, you can do that. And you, you, you we, in our shares and with the people that we, we talk to, it, you, all, the, all the stories, you know, it's, a, it's remarkable what, what this program does. And it is, it's attraction. And it's, it's the people that wrote the 12 steps and the traditions, it, it's, it's really, they, they did a really fine job. When you read that, you know, that's, it, it just is, it's remarkable that they put that together. You know, and it's so welcoming. You know, it, it's it just, it, it's, to me, one of the other earlier on things was that when I, when in rooms A, it was just like I found my people. You know, because you know how men are. You know, men never, you know, they never talk about, you know, serious, things of a serious nature like alcoholism or anything like that. We never, you know, it's always, you know, BS, you're, you're talking about sports or this, that, or the other. You stay abreast of this or that. I did it in, with work and sales, you know, know what the local baseball teams are and doing this and that. But you don't hear, you don't hear the grassroots, or the fundamentals. And in, in AA meetings, you do. People share. You know, they talk. And this is, you know, these aren't, these aren't contrived. People don't, you know, you don't have to dress it up. You know, they're not... They're, they're just sharing with you. And it's, 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 it's really remarkable, the environment that, that, that the meetings provide and, and what the program will do for you. And so I just, I'm not used to talking about myself this much, so I may have to cut her short. But, uh, and the, part I, the reason I gave you a history of my upbringing is because it probably had some relevance to do with, you know, my continuing on. But I still... I insisted on it, and, and, and this program, it does make you accountable and responsible. I remember early on when I was still toxic, some of the guys saying, well, you're going to help in this. I said, huh? You're, I'm, supposed to, I'm supposed to somehow help? I'm the one that's created this mess. But because of the literature and because of, of the way the program works, 
Yeah, you have to get on board. But you know, I, when I, I didn't, I didn't feel I was, I could participate in my recovery at first. You know, I was hoping they would somehow magically fix me. You know, can you just, can you just help me out here? But it doesn't work that way. But it does absolutely work, and I'm, I'm glad, you know, that that, for whatever reason, I. Uh, found my way into an AA meeting and uh, I'm going to keep coming to them. I'm always going to find a chair in the room and most people won't probably hear as much as you have about my life and how I got here but, but we'll share about the meeting you know and the topics that come up in the meeting and you know the, the, the bullet that the good things about AA, I like, I like to think about the results. And that's for the last, you know, since I joined, I don't, like I said, you get your ups and downs and there's probably challenges to come. But there's, I won't drink over them. I won't go back there. And, and I don't have to. And there's more good in my life today. And there was good back then too, I just wasn't paying attention. You know, so I, uh, knowing the little bit I do now in the time I've been in this program, I, I have no intent of uh, returning to the life I led before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous. But that just means I have to continue practicing. And, I, and, I, and I'm not going to, I'm never going to be well. You know, this, you, you can't fix an alcoholic. You don't get cured. Nothing can cure us. I'm, I am an alcoholic. I'll always be an alcoholic. And so I, my, my baseline is I can't forget that I'm an alcoholic and I, and I can never forget that I can't do this by myself. And that's part of the reason I'm sitting here chatting with you folks today. So I don't have a whole lot to say. I'm just going to thank you for my sobriety.